0: This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.
1: Welcome to Dr. Carl Bamlet, The Modern Caveman. A show that helps you to reshape your modern life using wisdom from the past.
2: Welcome to the Modern Caveman. This week we're going to talk a little bit about uh, food intolerances, food reactions, our immune system, how our immune system can respond there, and just kind of like the, the complexity to our immune system and how much it can have an effect in this. Fantastic. Looking forward to it, Caveman. Excellent. So, cause I think we've talked about this in the past, and it's just good to kind of retouch on things and kind of keep connecting and saying, you know, give it a reminder to people of how these things are, because we forget things quite often, and we got to elaborate on things as more evidence comes out and just kind of what's going on in the, in the present present world with these things, and um, that's a big reason why we're re, we are retouching on this subject today. Excellent. So what sort of angle are you going to be at, um, coming from here, Caveman? Well, we're going to talk about the different things that um, – foods are going to do to people, how you foods, okay. yeah, foods and how it's going to affect the immune system. And then we're going to clarify a bit on the immune system and, you know, kind of the different ways in which those foods can affect it and other things can affect that immune system.
1: Okay. So maybe what I should ask out, um, I'll come from the angle as well, what part does our immune system play and what part of our body, you know, uh, makes it good or not so good?
2: Well, our immune system is going to be, with the foods, it's going to be affecting the gut first. and some, But it doesn't have to affect the gut. It can affect other ways, too. So um, we get exposed to it through the gut um, when we're having foods. And then it's um, going to affect the rest of the body. And there's two different kind of classifications when we're talking with food reactions to people. So there's the non-immune mediated, which is things like enzymes that you don't have, like lactose intolerance or things thing like that where you don't have the ability to break it down. Um, and then there's the toxic reactions like food poisoning.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's that's a different type of thing altogether than what we're going to be talking about today. So the thing we're going to be talking about today is the immune-mediated, um, which is things like autoimmune um, diseases like celiac disease. Right. That's one example. Mm-hmm. Um, the second category is going to be a food allergy, which is the IgE response, um, which is a very specific type where you need like an EpiPen. Right. Um, so you don't uh, go into anaphylaxis. And the last is food sensitivities, which is the other iggs right okay and so we're going to talk about these a little bit more and then we'll go into what the types of things with the immune system are doing what that's actually doing and how we can help our bodies um not only with um not only with cutting out the foods that don't agree with us and getting our diets right and doing things that way but also then what can we do with our lifestyle or with supplementation to help to make our um, body respond the best.
1: So having so basically having a, a, an immune system that works well for us to fend off you know illness and exactly. ailments and that sort of thing.
2: Exactly and if, yeah. we're, if we're weakened because this food is using up resources say you have an army and there's um, 25,000 troops in that army mm-hmm. and if 10,000 of them are sticking around to try and fight-off attacks at the camp, yeah. then you only have 15,000 in the army, where if there's no attacks at the camp and you can guarantee that, then you can send all of them out to do the work out there. And that's essentially what your immune system can do too. Mm-hmm. So with the um, autoimmune food reactions, that's the celiac disease and those other um, types like that that are that are really strong, and that are T cell mediated um, responses, which we have T and B cells, which are the ones that give us a bit of a memory. So you you get exposed to something once, and then it remembers whenever it sees that. Oh, I got to attack that because it's on. real bad. Okay. Um, and so that's part of part of that. And when that happens, you just have to avoid that food altogether. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, that's going to be part of it. It's going to run you down in a much bigger way than even the. Um, other responses because it's constantly throughout the body system-wide having a big response Um, and that is a massive one to try and avoid. Um, There's chronic inflammation um, with cytokines and other inflammatory markers that happen with this. Um, So that is a big part of what um, people with uh, autoimmune diseases like the um, Celiac disease have to deal with it. It's not only the food affecting and then having a quick response. It's the long response. And so the the responses can last for as long as three months. Um, Some some can go long, but they can test it in the blood for three months that you're still having a response to it. So it's a really big event to have that. The the next category, the um, IgE-mediated, is where you get anaphylaxis to, say, peanuts or sesame seeds or fish or shellfish. Um, and there are certain ones that show up in this too, and that's that's another really quick one that you know right away that's very very serious that you cannot have any. And so there's not really anybody who's going to argue with those mm-hmm. two categories. And the last category is becoming more and more accepted um, as it gets more out there. So when you get into the uh, to the the food sensitivities, which is that that last kind of ca- category, that's where you're going to get the. Um, so you don't necessarily feel something immediately.
1: It doesn't sort of like throw you into a big shock or anything like that, but yeah. it's a, a, a gradual
2: um, weakening or impact on, your, on the immune system. That's exactly what it is on your, on your body, and it affects your immune system, and it just Gosh. drains those resources. So the common ways where this can be felt is um, chronically fatigued chronic fatigue syndrome, which is a very common diagnosis these days. Um, people that have chronic fatigue syndrome oftentimes have an underlying food intolerance or have underlying um, thing, other things going on. It's not just the chronic fatigue. Same with fibromyalgia, that's another thing. Um, or any chronic diseases that people have, oftentimes there can be foods that get related in with that mm-hmm. as a result of the whole presentation of it. It's not the one thing, but it's part of it. And if you don't get rid of that, then you're not going to get the other things fixed. Okay. Uh, for example, if you're not able to charge a battery up completely because Mm. the cord's got a bit of a kink in it that may not be the whole reason why that battery isn't going to work you may be really hard on it you may overly use it you may run it down too far you may not run it down far enough lots of other variables but that is part of the problem that's going on with it so you have to get the the food out of your system so you're not having those other responses that can then be part of it um and so there's a quite a lot of ways to um check into that there's elimination diets um diet diaries, um, lactose manual manual t- testing. So um, this is
1: basically just tracking all the things that you're having, how often and frequency, all that sort of stuff, and then exactly. noticing if there's any changes or that's, things that's, going on. That's
2: one way to do it. And, and some of the foods can be so tricky to figure out even with that, because um, seeing people for as a chiropractor and certified nutrition specialist, um, seeing people that that are having structural back pains and structural illnesses, and then how often they correlate with food issues too is really common, and the 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 diaries um, that people take oftentimes don't look at every single thing on every single label. I mean, can you Mm -hmm. imagine how tiring that is? So what oftentimes you have to do is figure out what that food intolerance is um, and then read every label to eliminate that portion of it to get the real results. And and there are some foods in our in our system which are pretty well in about every food you see, mm. um, whether it be um, gluten is a real common one. It's getting easier to be gluten-free, but there's a, a, mm. a lot of other things that are getting put in and more. And um, gluten, soy, corn um, are real three biggies that are out there that can affect people pretty easily. Um, mm-hmm. If you get away from those, and the next ones would be um, you get into the shellfish and those which are a slightly different response, but it's still a strong response. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of um, different ways that people are affected by this, and they're becoming more aware. But it's still pretty well hidden that people um, know that these things are affecting that immune system and, and those immunoglobulin responses. Mm-hmm. So what that is is what, what I'm saying that immunoglobulin. That is your um, learned. Immune system behavior. So there's two different types of um, immune systems, and we've covered this on an entire show before. And we have the adaptive and the innate immunities. Mm-hmm. Um, the adaptive is the learning one, and sure. the innate is the one that just naturally happens and goes. And
1: okay. so, do, can our can our body, you know, if there is, um, a food for example, like gluten or that you that you mentioned yeah. before, yeah. Can our bodies um, uh, overcome that, or can they just get used to it? I mean, you know, didn't, hmm. you know, do they just become accustomed to it? And and um, whilst it's not necessarily um, good for your immune system, yep. your body's found a way to like just um, process it or deal
2: with it. That is exactly what happens, and and we have different levels of severity. And what they find with with a lot of the DNA testing that's being done these days with the um, g- genome sequencing and things is they find that there's Many genes that play along together to create our ability to have certain foods or like certain flavors or have all these things start to happen. There's a lot of things that play together and they have to go in and then as they fit, that becomes your tastes and what you can handle and what your body likes. And so as a fact of all these different things playing along, there's a huge array of abilities to cope with different things and so we have to figure out which end of the spectrum if you're on if you can have zero or if you can have a lot Mm -hmm. of something and you can be anywhere along that line so let's say for example um we'll we'll say we have a patient named cuz not this cuz but a different one (laughs) just so we don't confuse names Um, and so we have um Uh, symptom of you have chronic migraines okay and you come in and you have it really really severely Um, when you get it you get it about once a week and uh, we just have to try and figure out what's causing that there's going to be structural things going on there there's going to be some immune things likely going on there and we find that there's a food intolerance for their, for this individual and so they cut that food out and they cut it out really well for a month and they find that they have no no migraines with that and then if there is one instance where they have a large amount of that food intolerance and they get the migraine then there's a likely correlation there and so then you say okay well you can't have a large amount of so it so they
1: eliminate and
2: then and reintroduce and then yeah. then maybe reintroduce in different amounts exactly reintroduce significantly less and see if you can get by with that much mm. but not that much. And I'm yep. making j- gestures with my fingers for all the listeners at home. And every single person is going to be uh, individually case dependent. Mm-hmm. So you can't put a blanket statement for everyone that way. What happens is we oftentimes increase the dose, increase the dose, increase the dose until we get back to that state and then mm. wean it back a bit. Um, and that's oftentimes how you go about figuring that out with people. Um, and that is one of the important things to do to just get that body right and to then get the immune system under wraps. Mm -hmm. And as that happens, everything else in that immune system is going to be working better. So instead of attacking that food that you're having, it can then attack anything else that you're exposed to and keep you running at, at, at your best. So are we going
1: to be able to, like, I guess you're you're approaching things of what's causing um, your immune system to be weakened and compromised. Um, Then on the flip side, there'll be things that we can do to um, improve it, enhance it.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So there are are a lot of things that can do to uplift that immune system. And and Mm -hmm. we've talked about a few things. And one of the best things that we can do is get plenty of sunshine. Right, yep. Plenty of sunshine. And, and the number one reason behind that... Is that the vitamin D The side? vitamin D side of things. Right, okay. And the vitamin D side of things is really, really big. Um, and there are certain amounts to kind of talk about how much to get and what levels that, that we need to be at. And yeah. um, so when you're... So someone goes out and gets a blood test saying that they're deficient in vitamin D. It'll take a while to get that back up to speed. Mm. Um, supplementation can do a little bit, but it doesn't kind of fix it correctly mm. immediately right away.
1: Yeah. It's interesting you're talking about that because the sunshine you know, yeah. element that you're talking about there um, I was actually having this conversation with a friend yesterday and, um, and I, have, I haven't done the research um, but I'll, I'll put it on the table here is that when you go out into the sunshine depending on what time of the day mm-hmm. you go out has an impact on how much you're actually absorbing and uh, exposing yourself to and so the the um the the rule of thumb or the or the model wise is that when you're standing out in the sunshine mm-hmm. and the shadow's being cast, yep. as long as the shadow is shorter than you are, high yep. and tall, mm-hmm. um, so I mean, as the suns must be up quite high, yep. then that is when it's likely to be most beneficial. If it's earlier in the morning and late at night, probably not as much because you're casting a long shadow, right? Mm. Um, that was just their, um, their take on, you know, when's the good time to be getting your vitamin D. You might think, oh, I went out there in the, for a morning walk at, you know, sun, sunrise. Hmm. Well, that's great, but it may not actually be giving you the um, the goodness or the all the full benefits. I
2: would agree with that. I don't know if
1: there's any research done on that, but that's is, just what we shared yesterday.
2: There is, yeah, yeah. So the amount of UV rays coming through, because as it goes through more ozone with a steeper angle, you're not going to get as much through. Mm. So... The higher the angle of the sun, the more intensity to the rays, mm. the better the benefit. Ah. The right at high noon when it's right above you. In New Zealand, it's pretty pretty strong sun here. Um, mm. You may want to try and get more in the the, the 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 longer shadow each direction towards that being your height. So Brought. get it get yeah. you know the ten a.m. to the to the three three p.m. of the areas where it'd be the best. But if you're getting it throughout the day quite frequently. Mm. Uh, you're going to be good. And if you get on a regular basis and getting that fresh air and the vitamin D is, is, is a big part of what we need to
1: do. So, today. this might be the people that are working indoors, right? That, um, mm. you know, I mean, on, on days where it's out, go for that lunchtime walk.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Get, get, and get some arms out, get your legs out. Have it be that you're getting exposed to these things so that you can have, you know, get that baseline amount, even if it's just 30 minutes a day. Mm. It's better than nothing, mm. and you can you can supplement that with a vitamin D supplement, yeah. um, which which will be better than nothing. And you want that D three form of vitamin D mm. to make it actually have the effect in your body. Um, and it's going to help um, with many things. Vitamin D. So the the, the result of vitamin D being a um, effector on every cell in the immune system. There's receptors for vitamin D in every cell that tells me that tells the body that okay the vitamin D is here so we can go do our actions in a normal way and we're going to respond the way we, we need to be. <laughs> I mean, if you look at how that would respond, because it, it comes from sunshine. Yep. So you get vitamin D from sunshine. If you're outside in the sun, behaving normally, being healthy, doing mm-hmm. all these things that you need to do, you're getting that vitamin D and it's telling the immune system, okay, this is a healthy individual. We're going to bring them out there and get them healthy and keep them going that way, mm. and so that's where that immune system is responding to that. So you're going to get a healthy, normal immune response based off having the sunshine and that vitamin D. Now, artificially affecting that with vitamin D spray is probably better than not having any vitamin D, but it's not going to be as good as getting the sunshine. Um, uh, would be would be my guess, but there's not any you know evidence to prove that. But that would be the the logical.
1: So does it like um store up. You know, like you talk about charging your phone and and charging the battery up and, you know, whether it's, um, it's it's got a certain amount of charge left in it, you know, it carries on until you've actually started using it. So, does that work the same way? Like, if there's a week of rain and there's no sunshine, you know, do you have any reserves that you've had from the pre-sundays
2: that it, it's carrying you it through? Absolutely, absolutely. Vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin, so that's going to stay stored in your fat, right. and it's going to be viable for for quite some time. Okay, um, can be drawn on. Yeah, and so just keep keep getting the the regular sunshine, and don't like, don't think of it as like a a quick boost. Mm. Think of it as a long, slow, steady yep. boost with doing that, and that will keep the system. You know, optimally functioning by being out there in the sun, and that that works for everything. Not just you know, not just for food and toxins and mod- moderating that immune response to that. It can be for anything we get exposed to. It can be for you know, the the flu, the cold, mm-hmm. um, anything around us, um, and making those levels be optimum is the number one thing we have to work on.
1: Nice. So, caveman, one thing we can. Um you know get used to listening in on the for our listeners on the show and myself in particular is the use of some of these big scientific words and medicinal um, medical jargon and one of those ones that you mentioned was this immunoglobulin yes um can you just give us the like simplified um, non-scientific definition of what that is and what part they play yeah
2: that is part good question because that is part of the uh immune system response where the 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 B cells are going to, which are part of that adaptive immunity. So your body is learning all the time. So these different foods or different viruses or different things you get exposed to. The body's learning just to see what that is, and it puts out a defense to it. And so it goes out and it it swarms it so that it can attack the body. Um, And so what these immunoglobulins are, the little things that come out and stick to it, and kind of fight it like the little little mm-hmm. warrior attack. You know? And so there are a few different cat- categories of that as we talked different about. Different sorts of soldiers, eh? They're, they're the soldiers. different there's, soldiers. There's, there's the is, ground troops. There's is, the Air Force. There's yeah. the Army. There's the Marines. Okay. There's different types of them. Um, and they come out of the... the, the so you've got to try and make this fun, you know. This, this sort of, I, I you like know that. I, mean? I yeah. like that. I like that. you to got to spice it up a little bit and not have it be too, too boring and dry. That's, that's, that's why we love you, Kaz. That's why we love you. Um, so there are some different categories, um, and we've already talked about the IgE. That's the um, anaphylactic type shock. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also the IgM, IgD, IgG, and IgA.
1: There's also little acronyms there, mate, so you better unpack some of those.
2: Yes. So we'll start with each one. So I'll give you a bit of a rundown of what these all are kind of for. Um, and we'll remember, they're each a different little sector of the military. You're going to do a slightly different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll just give you the base rundown and just so you can see how elaborate and how important these things are and how amazing the body is to be able to fight off these things and why it's so important to eliminate those foods and get your body so it's feeling good and... Uh, and with being what I do as a chiropractor, you see structural pains that show up. Mm -hmm. And we oftentimes treat the structural pains as just a structural pain, which sometimes they are. But if you look into it more in depth, it's sometimes emotional, it's sometimes structural, it's sometimes chemical, as -hmm. the foods are. And then when you get the chemical, then it's the immune system some of the times or some other um, inflammatory markers that they put off. And that can be real, real complicated, fixing that in and of itself. So if we get into these different types of immunoglobulins which are part of the B cells which are part of the adaptive immunity you can you can see these different layers which are really elaborate we have the IGM they're um, generally important for complement activation which means they're going to activate together to attack something okay mm-hmm. so they need someone else there with them to fight they're a little bit they're a little bit uh, um, not as brave as okay. some of the other ones mm-hmm. okay Um after that, we get into the IGD, which is involved in activating basophils, which is going to be part of that inflammatory response. It's going to go in and going to block it off from attacking anywhere else and attack it that way. Nice. Um, IGG, that's, that neutralizes it. They put out chemicals to try and stop it from um, putting out its chemical markers, whether it be the food or an attacking antigen. And IGA is essential for neutralization in the GI tract. So we have all these different things. Are, they're essentially the same thing, but they have slightly different roles in how they do it. And so our body is this specific that has created all these different versions of the same thing to attack in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so this is drawing that picture of complexity that just keeps growing and growing and growing and how many different ways the body can respond to different things. And that's why the foods can have such a different ap- impact in different ways on each individual because mm-hmm. it can affect um, me and you completely different ways and you get another person in here and they're going to be completely different from us. Yeah. And it's based off all these different responses and in the big main categories they can differ quite dramatically as well.
1: Mm-hmm. So if someone's um, you know going through a a health challenge, you know, the, yeah. there have been a, a pattern of unwell, It's the migraines or whatever the case may be, then yeah. through a consultation with yourself, you, you may use this um, approach of looking at well, what are the foods that yeah. um, that you're having? Yeah. And is that having a, an impact on playing out in this ailment or this disease or this um, yeah. this challenge that you have? Chronic
2: illnesses and chronic disease that affect people, there's almost always got to be some type of thing that they're doing to incorporate in that Um, and so looking at those things closely is a big part of what every practitioner needs to be doing uh, to figure out how we kind of augment this behavior to help benefit the outcomes for the person Mm. Um, and so whether that be um, the 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 most common correlation people can make with the food is digestive issues so if you have IBS or IBD which is irritable bowel syndrome or irritable bowel disease um, the severity is the big thing that changes you from one to the next um, and get a diagnosis of that. That's the easy one where people can draw the conclusion of food being related with that. But you can have uh, migraines um, are one that are a chronic condition that really don't have a good explanation Mm -hmm. that oftentimes can be affected by food. Um, You have um, chronic pains. If you get inflammatory responses going on throughout the body, um, that inflammatory cascade is part of what can cause that as well. So getting that inflammation under control, whether it be uh, immune or rheumatoid um, issues going on or if it's just um, localized inflammation from too many uh, omega-6 fatty acids, which are the inflammatory fatty acids which is a whole different story altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you get those processes under control, then those chronic conditions can get brought back under control and you know kind of not um, not run free and wild as they'd like to do when we don't have all this stuff under control. And, and one of the things that's really interesting when you have um, have this when you start going down this path of food journals and and elimination diets and seeing what everything does is you can be really specific as to what each food does to you and how you can respond to each food and then you get to the point where you're eating a very specific diet and you feel really good and when you stray from it you can notice exactly what each thing does very easily and you can kind of limit things and then you can even say what time of the day. So rather is is the the testing just on a
1: on a feel thing, or is it done with bloods and checking what what changes in your bloods? So, I mean, what are the the accurate measures to to um, you know validate the yeah. the experiment? I guess.
2: Yeah. Well, there are a lot of different ways to do it. So with the so let's go through some of these different things. So like celiac disease, you go through a, um, a digestive tract auto, a biopsy, and then you also get blood work done, and they both have to kind of match up to be diagnosed with celiac. There's oftentimes, um, any medical professional will um, acknowledge this, there's oftentimes false negatives and false positives. And so that's a really tricky one. And so let's say... Um, you go in and you're checking for celiac disease and you have to be on it for three months consecutively. So if you normally avoid gluten, you have to be on it for three months continually, go and get the uh, the diagnosis. If you're di- not diagnosed with it and they say it doesn't count, you go, well, I feel terrible on it, then you get told to stay off of it anyways. Um, so that's one means of trying to figure out the, the severities of things. Um, if you get into the IgE responses, which is that, uh, another one of those categories, um, you're not going to really have – you're going to know because you're going to swell up like a balloon. Um, with the other ones, if you want to go through those those responses trying to find those antibody responses, that's one way to do it. But they have to have the right antibody for the right food and test it, all of them. And it gets to be quite expensive over time. Mm. So there are ways to do these things, but it's good to have a bit of direction. And, and you can do it based off of feel, which um, some practitioners do that, and that can be quite, quite good too. Um, there's hair analysis testing. There's um, skin prick testing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of different ways these things get done, and it's about finding that right, um, that yeah, right and way. And some other work that you do there is the kinesiology as well. Yeah. So, does that, how, how does that play into what we're talking that's about? That's the feel. That's the feel. Yeah. Um, what feel do I, as a practitioner, get? And there's a lot of practitioners that, that, that do the applied kinesiology chiropractic, and that's uh, what feel do you have for it? And then after implementing that, then you do the elimination diet and see how that information works. And with any testing, that's how you have to test it, whether mm-hmm. it be lab testing or pinprick testing or salivary testing or whatever it is, you have to do that implementation of the dietary stuff. Um, so that's that's the, the way to kind of get your direction in what way to go. Um, and then you have the need for it with that running on that immune system. And we have those other factors like the vitamin D is one of the big things to keep that immune system regulated and working correctly. And there's a lot of other um, immune system um, aids and benefit, benefiters that are out there that can be good for people to take.
1: Yeah, so things that we can use to, to boost our our immunity, you yeah. know, through – yeah, well, maybe we could get on to some we, of those, we'll, you know. We'll talk
2: a few of those. Um, so some of the things that people usually do um, – zinc – as a good mm-hmm. um, immune system helper. Uh, vitamin C mm-hmm. is another really big common one we hear about. Um, some of the other ones that you hear of vitamin E, vitamin A, you got to be careful with some of those other fat-soluble ones because the research on that is a little bit mixed. But vitamin C
1: is one that you, we hear quite a lot, you mm-hmm. know, um, through pharmacies, health stores, that type of thing, um, yep. you know, through through your foods, obviously. Um, but, but as a supplement, you know, there's yep. um, different... Strengths, um, there's different makeups of the vitamin C's and so on, but uh, there is, uh, I guess, um, an accepting or an acceptance that vitamin C is actually very, very good. You know, for our for our immunity.
2: You one, know, one of the most clever minds in medicine in the early 1900s, Linus Pauling. Um, was a huge proponent of vitamin C. He was a double Nobel Prize winner. I think he's the only one of all time to, to have done that. And he was a huge proponent of vitamin C, and um, it's still widely researched as to why it's got so many benefits. But it's, it's just like vitamin D, it's got a huge. So amount so, of benefits. so it's
1: more of a preventer, isn't it? You know, it's, it's absolutely. A, you know so. Uh, we tend to, you know, live in a culture, in an environment where it's the what's the cure? What's the cure? Mm-hmm. What's the cure? You know, um, yep. a different C. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but the vitamin vitamin C is, hey, look, this is what you can do to, you know, boost up your immunity to prevent you from falling ill in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. And
2: one of those things that, that makes us, part of the mechanism that I would mis- imagine this works on is, you um, Part of our getting run down, is ma- that's what makes us vulnerable because we just don't have the energy to, f- to fight off whatever there's. So as we get more run down, we get more susceptible to illness. Um, our stress hormones are what's going to tell the body that we're run down, and they're mm-hmm. going to tell us that we're more viable to be infected with whatever or have the food affect us. Um, and that vitamin C, in in practice and in in Studies you see actually bring people's energy back up, so that's a big sign that things are going the right way, and just boosts that energy up so people can feel better, and that's probably part of what it's doing as well as as well as its antioxidant um, properties and um, anti. Uh, Other properties that it has. Hmm. Okay. So vitamin C, zinc, they're two really good ones. Um, You get into things like echinacea, which is a really good herb, which has immune-regulating purposes, which which has a great effect on your mouth when you when you take it. Yeah. Yes.
1: We numbing, zinging
2: feeling around the lips and tongue. Yeah. And so those are those are three things that most people um, should try and be on when they're trying to um, upregulate that immune system as best they can.
0: Yep. So we talked all night about the rest of our lives. Where we're gonna be when we turn 25. I keep thinking times will never change. Keep on thinking things will always be the same. You know much love that
1: Caveman, you know, it's been good talking about, you know, the, the immune system, um, the, the challenges that it, well, uh, the, the role that it plays, you know, in our well-being, right. things that could be um, causing it to be compromised, um, ways that you can, um, you know, uh, go about overcoming that, you know, through, mm-hmm. through the food side of things. Um, also, a few tips on ways to, um, you know, enhance it. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, there's a little little uh, acronym here called the AERO, um, A-E-R-O, assess, eliminate, repair, and optimize. I'm wondering if you might be able to just talk us through the aero on, um, as a way, you know, for our listeners thinking about um, being able to uh, improve the you know, the immune system.
2: Absolutely, cause So with, with that, if we're going to assess it, we have to figure out which food it is that's dragging down an individual's health. Um, so like you said, do you can do that through the all the different various types of testing out there, mm-hmm. um, or and, and then identify that food. And then we do the um, next step, which is the elimination diet. And the elimination of the food is the ultimate place to get to. Once we've eliminated that food or found that food, we eliminate it, which can be quite a hard process in many cases, and you have to eliminate incidental contacts and... Um, You know, really control your diet and really put in that hard work. Mm -hmm. Um, That is step two. And then the repair. This is going to be the um, one that varies quite a bit for how much time it takes. Because if you see um, someone who's not real sensitive to something and they're a young kid who's not real sensitive to it, they'll be repaired within a day or two. Mm -hmm. When you see a 65-year-old who's been consuming this stuff their whole life, sometimes it can take two, three, four, five months Mm. to get them to start to feel better. Most of the time it's not that long, but it can. Yep. Um and then they start to feel better much slower. And um the changes can be a real dramatic different variety of things. So it can be um a slow, steady incline for some people and it just, you know, takes weeks and it just keeps growing, keeps growing, keeps growing and then eventually, you know, six months later they're feeling at 100% of hard mm-hmm. work for six months. Some people, they get a really big jump and then they plateau. So we've heard about that word a lot with like weight loss and with yes. health is plateauing. Yep. Yep. Um, so you jump really quick, you plateau. Mm-hmm. Um, some people fall off after they plateau because yep. they, get, they get discouraged. Um, if you keep pushing and keep looking for those next things that are slowing you up, holding you up, then you can get to that next increase mm-hmm. and then, then you plateau again and then they go up again and then they plateau again. So instead of waiting for each of those plateaus to hit and getting bogged down, just expect there to be a slow slow improvement and then the occasional things and just keep pushing on through it and expect it to be the long game rather than the short game. Mm -hmm. Um, You have your um, ways where you work through goals with with people that you work with. Yeah, definitely. Tell us about some of the tools that you use for keeping people focused.
1: Yeah, I I guess it's, um, you know, when you've got a a big enough why, you know, sometimes people you know come to me for business support because they're not satisfied with where they're at, you know, and so obviously they're coming to you and and other um, medical practitioners because of their unwellness, you Mm -hmm. know, and so, so I guess monitoring is the is one of the key things. You know, there's always saying that, you know, what you measure, you can manage. What you measure improves, and what you measure gets done. And um, so one of the keys to you know making progress or or reaching a particular goal or outcome is to actually monitor the progress. And because once you start getting aware, having start having awareness of uh, of where things are going, like you talked about those journals and so on. You mm. know about journal, journaling your food and and um, and just identifying what that is, so so I would I would encourage people to uh, yeah to to monitor the um, the steps you know and mm-hmm. then make some corrective changes you know so if you are drifting off well you know how do you drift back on
2: yeah yeah good good and then after we get that repair done and your body's starting to get that repair and you can do this a little bit while you're doing the repair but it's more about support during repair because we we can do, you can put a little hyphen in that s uh, and then put an S under there for the support and that's going to be supporting whatever part of you needs the most. Oftentimes it's the eliminating of it which is happening through the liver and the kidneys, um, whether that be extra water, so making sure you're getting that three liters of water a day, which is one of those things we talk about a lot on here, getting plenty of water, um, or if it's helping certain enzyme pathways in your liver or other parts of your body that just don't quite function at the level that they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get those genetic weaknesses. So we all have to play with the hand we're dealt um, yeah. and play it the best we can, but we can get you know that support wherever we can and and increase this in the diet increase that in the diet um, take a supplement that that has extra of that thing that you just can't make and can't convert because sometimes um, there are you know essential vitamins and there are non-essential vitamins and the essential vitamins we oftentimes get taken into account with supplementation in foods so they add in some of the B vitamins into into foods but if we can make it by altering three or four things in the body yeah. to make things get made, it's not an essential vitamin, so people don't worry about it. But if your body lacks that enzymes to, or, the, or the pathways to make that essential item, that things can become an issue or, for their, or if they don't lack it, but it's a slower um, functioning pathway. Mm-hmm that's, that's p- quite problematic for a lot of people. So you might have to have more of that one specific thing to make that body function. Mm. And those are things that over time, as you get all that figured out with that support, that gets there. And then once we want to optimize, once we've supported our own body, then we can see what things can optimize our function, whether that be, um, once we get into the optimizing stage, things like the um, herbal supports mm. are gonna be really big. Um, Uh, varieties i mean there's there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different herbs that you can use to maximize the body and um, things like the adaptogenic herbs are going to help that adrenal system process a bit faster when they when they need to have a little bit extra to get through something so if you're Mm -hmm. going through an immune challenge those will be something that can help give you a little bit extra to go through that Nice,
1: yeah. So it's a good we model there, isn't it? You know yeah. those those four steps there: assess, eliminate, um, repair, and and optimize. Mm-hmm. You know um, that's that's a a great flow of being able to um, progress in a positive direction. Nice one. Nice one. So, caveman, in your in your practice, no doubt you've. Um, I, I know for one, I've experienced your um, your services with going down the um, identifying. You know the assessing what foods may be compromising my immunity so yeah. maybe can, can you share a few examples of what's the journey like for some people that you know they might be just struggling with something right now you know and it might be a pattern it might be something they've just put up with and they've just thought oh well, this is just have to be what it is and they've accepted it but but it's still frustrating for them mm. so can you give us some examples of what the journey would be like for someone that comes in and sees you um, you know with this particular situation and, um, and maybe share an example of someone who has and
2: mm. where they are today great question i have i have a hand on heart two people i saw today that one is the initial months of the process and one is years on in the process okay and i'll tell you the story of each of them so um the one came to me probably six years ago now um and chronic migraines were the thing that were just absolutely debilitating for this individual and they tried everything and they weren't getting anywhere and the, the pills that they were taking for the migraines were stopping working um, and the, the with chiropractic the working on the neck is a big part of what you work on trying and fix that and that got some some results doing that um, and the big the big big results we got for this person was a certain food um, that they couldn't have and so that food um it's also used in cosmetics and other things quite a lot and skincare, care um, and moisturizers and shampoos. Um, and so over the course of, you know, we identified it right away, but completely eliminating it with that food is very challenging. And so mm. that is one where um, we had to go through the processes a bit and bring in all the, the shampoos, uh, makeups, everything, look through it all. Basically throw out all of the original ones. She purchased ones that were free of that food, would go months, 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 months without any migraines at all. And then we had a flare-up where we couldn't figure out what was doing it. She got her migraines back, had them for months, and she changed shampoos. Right. And the shampoo had it in it. Didn't label it that it was in there. It was hidden in some other things because the names in mm. the shampoos were... Um, Real, real, um, they're scientific names, so they're real hard to understand yep. what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, and got to cut that out, back off migraines, haven't had any since. Wow. Um, yep. And so that was the one that we saw today that had been patient for a long time. It was just kind of the normal, making it sure everything's right. The other gal came back, and she first saw me about four or five months ago, and migraines were one of her things, and she was had migraines since she was seven and had never went longer than six weeks without one. Mm. Um, and we saw her three or four months ago. Today, today in the past week, she'd had the first migraine um, that she'd had since we started. So she'd already had the longest period of time she'd ever had without one. Mm. But um, she had had one and was kind. Of, she kind of thought it was funny, but and didn't really think too much of it. And we had to figure out what was going on. So we found out that um, the day that she had it for lunch she went out for lunch and had a bit of a, a thing on the food that wasn't what she liked the gravy in her food that wasn't didn't taste right didn't taste like it was good so she scraped it off and put it off to the side um, and turns out that she got a migraine that night pretty severe one again and that's the first one she'd had in that whole time so mm-hmm. yep. we then identified that 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 um, gravy must have had that food in it and that's what caused the whole... Triggered con- it off again. Triggered it with her. So yeah. I kind of put those people in both that very severe category reaction to it where they really can't have any of it. Mm. Um, and that's one of the extremes on that end where it's like you see people with that food intolerance quite a bit, but to that extreme is not very common. Mm. Well, wow. Okay.
1: Well, the good news is that you had a process, you know, yep. to, to assess uh, and to coach them through... And um, and then you know through monitoring mm-hmm. falling off the track a bit to being able to like capture it again and um, and get get realigned again. So and that's
2: where that process of re re touching base yeah, and that's really right. reviewing out it out
1: Yeah, that's good. Wow, it's uh, so if there's anyone listening, you know, book in and see Caveman if you've got some struggles
2: and um, let's get this immunity sorted out. You can find our podcast on Facebook at Doctor Carl Bell with Modern Caveman on the Plains FM website and iTunes. And you can get the live stream from plainsfm.org.nz or the TuneIn app. On behalf of Carl Wartini, I'm Dr. Carl Bamlett, chiropractor at the Alpha Omega Clinic, reminding you that you can't change from within, on the outside looking in.
1: Thank you for listening to Dr. Carl Bamlett, The Modern Caveman. For more healthy lifestyle tips, find Dr. Carl on drcarlbamlett.com. And like him on Facebook. I'm Pascal Batrick, signing off for Dr. Carl Bamlett, The Modern Caveman.